I'm Maria Thea Harris for Velosos, and you're listening to Sew Organized Style Podcast, and this is your Sew Over 50 podcast episode. I'm Maria Thea Harris for Velosos, and you're listening to Sew Organized Style Podcast. Sew Organized Style Podcast acknowledges traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognizes the continuing connection to lands, waters, and community. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to the Elders past, present and emerging. A big sponsor shout out goes to our two podcast friends and sponsors, the Australian Sewing Guild who has been our Monday Daily Series regular is now a sponsor of Sew Organised Style Podcast. Go to ozsew.org to check out the online workshops, sew-alongs, skills library and more. Our second sponsor is Tatiana's School of Couture as she launches it online. Go to her website to see her new online sewing classes and patterns. Good morning everyone, it's Monday and it's ASG Monday. Welcome back to Sew Over 50's podcast on Sew Organised Style. Let's give a warm welcome to Susan Young of Susan Young Sewing. Susan Young is the official blog writer for the Sew Over 50 community on Instagram. Hi, it's me again. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely to see you again, Susan. Thank you for having me, Maria. It's becoming a regular appointment, isn't it? (laughs) Well, you're a very good blog writer and, I mean, that's what today's all about, you know, your post for Sew Over 50 M. Where would you like to start? Because, <laughs> look, when I read it, it really is a good article on your journey around, okay, it's batch cutting and sewing, but this is your personal story, isn't it? Yes. So I was a bit all over the place, you know, because we've all been in this strange shutdown situation, or virtually all of us. And I realised that I kind of lost my way a bit with what I wanted to sew. Sewing's the thing that I always do. It's a good mental space as well as a a physical activity and I realized I had lots of ideas floating around in my head but then if I hadn't written them down they would float straight back out again and so I had no particular sense of purpose of what I wanted to do next so it was strange because I didn't know what I fancied and then I'm in a, a little WhatsApp group with a couple of sewing friends and one of them is Melissa, Melissa of Fair Trade and she shared with us in our chat that she was planning out what she was going to be sewing over the course of the summer and she does it in a really lovely organized way so she sketches out, she uses a lot of magazine patterns so Birder style and Nick mode amongst others and she goes through the magazines picks out the ones that she's going to want to trace off and then she does herself some really lovely clear line drawings yes of each of the styles only on a couple of sheets of a4 paper Mm -hmm. and she writes down what fabric she's going to use for them as well so it might be from her stash she might know she's already got those fabrics or she will have seen something to purchase at the moment they've got to be online anyway so that's how she did it and she shared a couple of photographs with us of what she does and that got me thinking thought well actually if I get myself a bit more organized then I can do something similar maybe not with the drawings okay but make a list 
So that's what I did. I started writing down all the ideas that I could remember that had been floating around in my head. So just the pattern and possibly the fabric. Did it take you a while to create your list? Not that long, funnily enough, because once I started doing it, they all came pouring back out of my head. Good. (laughs) Thankfully. So I knew what I wanted to do. Some of them are repeats as well. I ended up with a list and I share the photo of the list is in the blog post. So you can yes. see there were probably about 10 or 12 things written on it. I can't remember now. And I wrote them all down. And then I went through my little book that I keep with samples of the fabrics that I've got in boxes and in the workroom. Yep. So I worked out what I'd got. Some of the fabrics were ones that I bought in Paris last year at the Paris Social. Mm-hmm. And they come in three meter pieces. And I knew if I was really canny... I could get two things out of three meters. meters. Good. So I deliberately planned some of the tops that I cut from those three meters so I could get the two out because there's economies of scale in that way. Mm. Cut two things together, you can interlock them as you go along and you get less wastage because you've got all the pieces there on the fabric at the same time. So once I've got my list, I then went through that list to decide what I wanted to cut in one go because I just thought that would be the better way of doing it rather than just cutting one thing at a time. Yeah. So I, going back a bit, I'm always really a cut one thing, make one thing person. Yeah. That's just how I prefer to do it. The only time that is any different is if I've been making things for other people as well. So their thing might be ongoing and then I'll have my own project. Often if the private work has got to be done, I will press on with that. And I won't do anything of my own. And then when I've got to a point, say, where that person would now come back for a fitting, so I can't do any more until that's been done. Yeah. Then I would reward myself, if you like, mm-hmm. with a new project for me. And then I would decide what that is and cut it and make it. Because I've always preferred to do that, just to keep concentrating on the one thing. Mm-hmm. Unless something goes really badly wrong with it, then I'll see it right through. So doing this kind of batching idea is not my normal practice Mm -hmm. so i cut out six things six or seven things from the list over the course of a weekend i just set aside the dining table and just cut 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 and ended up with a very satisfying pile of things which was the photo that i originally shared three or four weeks ago the fabrics look lovely yeah, I'm really happy with them, actually. Mm. There were some nice things. There. Yeah, all of them were from the stash one way or another. Some I'd had quite some time and others were more recent. But nothing was new. I didn't order in anything new. That was really pleasing as well. Because it was fun, actually, just to go back through what I've got yeah. and put them to use. So some of the patterns are ones that I've made quite a number of times. So there's an Imogen by Sew Me Something in yep. there. I think yep. that will be my fourth or fifth of that. Uh, there's a Camber yep. as well. That was a kind of bonus pattern actually because I cut something else out of fabric and then there was just enough, there was about a metre, bare metre left of this fabric and I managed to get a Camber out of it as that, well. I was really thrilled with that. I get two things out of one piece of fabric that I hadn't been planning to. So that's a bonus top, I'd say. Lovely. And you've got the skill to be able to get more than one thing out of three metres. So that's really good too. That's where having been a cutter 
all those years ago mm. that's why I'm fanatical about the cutting out of things because I was a sample cutter when I first came out of college and that's really the job that I always concentrated on regardless of where else I was working I could do the sewing side of it as well but primarily my role when I was out in the workplace was as a cutter and sample cutter so that was my job was to make sure everything was a as efficiently cut as possible and because I worked at high end that wasn't a factory setting so I had the time and the space to work it out nothing was done on the computer so I was working with pattern pieces directly on fabric I wasn't manipulating things on a screen it's, it's all brain power to work out how things come out efficiently so I will always get things out of the smallest amount of fabric possible if I can manage it it's very frustrating it makes me cross if I can't <laughs> you don't have to worry about hitting the delete button and everything just goes into the bin on no, the that's it. yeah that's good that's it's in it. front of you it's there it's there so you know it can take quite a while but it's satisfying in the end if you can work out a way of folding the fabric differently mm -hmm. if you're a fairly novice sewer and you look at lay plans on patterns particularly some indie patterns I think they are so wasteful and in this time of trying to be more sustainable and not use up so much fabric and not have so much wastage I think that ought to be addressed really there are some companies like Selkie try very hard to get as little waste as possible but I don't I don't think everybody is aware that there's other ways of cutting things so for example if you cut on the single on a single layer of fabric it's more time consuming but it's much more efficient because you can interlock the pieces if you haven't got to have something folded then you can interlock all the pieces but of course that does mean if you're cutting two sleeves you need two pieces of sleeve pattern you need the whole front and the whole back for example you don't have just half a pattern piece that is placed against a fold which is mostly what we do. I digress slightly, so. Yeah, all right, let's get back on track. <laughs> As ever. <laughs> Sorry, I know, we get so technical. So what happened then was that Sandy contacted me. As you know, I don't normally manage the account. That's Sandy and Judith. And along with their new teams, they've each got two or three others who help them on a week about basis. But Sandy contacted me and said, well, somebody else had also mentioned that they'd cut out two shirts. Uh, Liz at uh, Threads Tailors had cut yep. out two shirts for her son and asked did anybody else do that sort of thing so yeah. Sandy thought oh there might be some interest in that so did I want to run the post for the day and that's what happened so on that Saturday a couple of weeks ago it was me that put the post up and then I managed all the comments my goodness there were so many comments so many kind of kept me busy the entire day and of course you're all across the world yes they were coming in for 24 36 hours of managing and reading all of them but there were some really interesting points and so that is how the blog post has come about and I've tried to collate what everybody had to say and that's the beauty of Solo 50 as Sue Stoney said we're a community of practice as Sue Stoney said in her podcast within the Solo 50 community we've got such a wealth of knowledge that it doesn't surprise me that you got so many people responding over such a long period of time that's it because if it doesn't pop up straight away in somebody's feed if they don't have notifications on hmm. they might not see it till later on in the day or even the following day but it's great that everybody feels that they've got something they want to contribute mm -hmm. so right. sometimes things are being repeated because we 
a lot of us practice the same things, but then there'll be some other things that come in as well that others might not have considered doing. So that's when the blog post becomes quite useful. Yeah. Because if I, I will go through, I've got all my notes here, so I go through every single comment and I'm, I either jot them down as they are. If they're a repeat of something else, then obviously I won't write it again. Yeah. But eventually I get a picture that builds up of the sorts of things that people like to do. Quite a few people said, well, I don't do batch sewing at all. I just do one thing at a time because for me it's a very precious time. It's my relaxation and I like to concentrate on the whole process right from the beginning. You know, they're going to absolute process they might, say, print off the pattern if they're getting a PDF. They will trace off the pattern. They will cut out that pattern. They will twirl it. They will tweak the twirl. Then they will cut it again in their fashion fabric. So the whole thing can take quite a period of time. And that's exactly how they like to do it. Mm. And that's fine. And then there are others who don't often do it that way. Their time might be very precious for different reasons. So the cutting out bit, obviously is a time-consuming part, isn't it? I don't know how you do it. You've got to lay it up on a table or on the floor. You might have family life going on around you. You might have pets strolling into the middle of it. Being on the floor is really hard for you. If you have bad back or gammy knees, it could be really challenging, but sometimes that's the only way of doing it. Yep, and then that's if you've what got I did to... when I was a girl. Yep, and you might have uh, to wait for the whole family to leave the house before you can do it. Exactly, exactly. And then you can't, sometimes you can't leave things out on the table. You might have to get the job done as quickly as possible and then clear it all away again because you've got supper time or you've got visitors coming or homework or something. So there's lots of reasons Mm. why people either do and they do it in a concentrated burst or they don't. Yes. A lot of people were saying they were really hoping in the near future to be able to get a table set up because they, you know, the age that we are, a lot of us, our children are getting older and maybe leaving home. So the chance to have the space is getting closer. (laughs) So, So a few people were contributing ideas on how to have a cutting table that didn't necessarily have to be permanently set up. So there were tips on that. You know, how to have a one that was attached to the wall but folded down flat. You removed the legs and it went down flat against oh, yeah. the wall. Yeah. Way. And then you could just flip it back up again and flip the legs into position and there it is. But it's not in the room all the time. So that was one idea that people contributed. So, you know, it's practical ideas as well of how to actually achieve it if you haven't got the wherewithal to be able to some people would cut mostly the thing i did notice was it was mostly tnts that people felt they cut a lot of they were happy to cut a lot of at one go so often it was things like t-shirts and tops yeah that they knew they'd made them at least once already and they knew they'd either already done all the fit tweaks to it for themselves or they knew that the pattern just came straight out of the packet and they could cut it and sew it so they would do that what do you do maria i do one pattern three times do you yes because the first time is the wearable twirl mm-hmm. the second time has got the tweaks in it and then the third time i get it right and then i'm done <laughs> with that pattern and that's my tnt Oh, I see. And then might that be the only time you'll have three versions of something or do you go back to things? I do go back to them. Within about 12 months, I'll go back. So coats I'll redo because I know that they work. 
mm-hmm. uh, shirt dresses. I've got a couple of favourites. I've got a couple of favourite wrap dresses that are knits and some that are not. And I wear them all the time. So, yeah, so that's what I do. And I start and finish a project, but in the back of my mind while I'm sewing, I've got the next project in my mind so I can understand. Oh, yes, I do that. Yeah. I do have uh, other things in my mind. And in one of the photographs that I shared of the whiteboard on my wall, I've got a little list. I mean, it's a bit of a messy whiteboard. <laughs> what my workroom really isn't is a very tidy, neatly curated place. It is... <laughs> It is what it says it is. It's a, it's a workroom, but I, I like being out there. Well, I keep a little list on, on there and then I could just wipe it off if I've done it or if it's been up there for a long time and I still haven't done it, then I guess it's just not one of my top priority things. Yeah, so our listeners can actually go to your story and see that wonderful whiteboard. That's right, yes. There's a photo of it in, in the blog post of what it looks like, my messy workroom. And if anybody's going to be watching the online weekender, they can see the rest of the mess behind me because I filmed myself for my video in there. So you can see just the posters and things up in the bookshelves and, and yeah. The creativity within your workspace. Oh, that's very nicely put. Thank you. <laughs> You're most welcome, Susan. I'll Fine. take that. I'll take that. <laughs> Some people don't batch sew because what they found was if they cut a few things out, if they get halfway through and then something goes wrong, they just abandon it and go on to the next. So a few people said they ended up with quite large piles of unfinished projects. Ah, UFOs. UFOs or WIPs. Yeah. (laughs) they found that they had, they had to concentrate on one thing at a time. So batch sewing would just mean there would be lots of unfinished projects. That said, a few people commented during this strange time of lockdown, they've gone back to their piles, their naughty step or their, their piles of unfinished work, and they've been working their way through them. So now they have got more finished projects as a result of having to be at home more. So tiny positive there of being stuck at home I think some people felt it too much organization that they didn't want to have to think about and it can be more time consuming at the beginning to cut more things out and to lay the fabric up and it depends what time you've got to be able to invest in it and whether you're interested enough to you know I've got plenty of time to do it but I'm not always interested in doing it that way I would rather do it one at a time Hmm. So what I'm enjoying now is knowing that I've got a pile of projects there and I'm going to be quite happy to pick any one of them to start. So I will pick one of them to sew over the weekender and sew it up. And because some of them are things I've already made more than once anyway, I won't even need the instructions. I can just get on with it, which is quite satisfying as well. So some people make a list like I did. Some people sketch like Melissa did. Yeah. Melissa was the catalyst for the whole article. Some people do mood boards as well. So they wouldn't describe themselves as batch makers, but they would plan a whole mood board with swatches and fabric samples and colours and, and ideas and, and photos and things from magazines as well. So they build up a bigger picture. So that was one way for people to be organised. Capsule wardrobe, you know, they might have 
the whole of, of a new capsule idea and they cut all of it. They might have a top, a pair of trousers or a skirt or a coat or something. And they might do all of those things in one go. So it was really interesting just to hear exactly how people like to approach the beginning of their sewing before they do the sewing. That way you see what motivates them and the level of detail I go to to be motivated as well. Some really do. The ones who do the mood boards and things, I've never done that. I I love to see a nice mood board, Mm. but it's just not something that's ever been my practice. And I don't think I'll start it probably anytime soon. But like you just said about doing three things, some people like to back-to-back sew several things the same because they, yep. they do iterations of each one. So one person said she wrote down in a different colour on the pattern instructions each iteration that she has done of it. So she knows what she's tweaked, how she's changed it, what developments she's made on things. So each pen is a different colour. So she knows how it's developed. So that was an interesting practice as well. Did anyone date their changes? Because I tend to put the year of when I last made it. Nobody told me that. Only because that way I know what size I was that year. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, I've come back to things and sadly now I need a bigger size than I did when I originally cut because I'm a cutter outer of patterns yes I don't I I do trace but it's not my usual practice so I do cut out patterns because that was just what I was taught yeah otherwise these days you've got to stick bits back on again (laughs) (laughs) try and work it out (laughs) a few people said they used production techniques so because a lot of us here have been sewing scrubs and masks and wash bags for PPE, that sort of thing. So quite a few people have done batching for that. But I think what we all realised with that is that we just didn't like doing that. Mm. We were doing it to help, but it's very tedious. I feel embarrassed to say that, but it's, it's quite tedious to just keep doing it. And I think that's partly why I don't batch so lots of things, because... I don't want to repeat it straight away. I, I will repeat something eventually, like the Imogen or the Canva. I've made quite a few of them, mm. but I've never made them back to back. Yeah. There'll always be quite some period of time between them. But one person said that they batch cut, but then they end up forgetting about them. Oh, no. <laughs> so they might have a pile of things cut, but if you then don't keep some kind of visual list as a prompt, yes. you forget they're there anyway. <laughs> so I need to make sure that I don't do that. Keep a little list somewhere. And that's why I don't tidy my sewing room so everything's where I can see it. <laughs> exactly where you left it, yeah. <laughs> I know, I do that. I have to tidy up and you think, oh, I can't find so-and-so now. <laughs> oh, one of the ideas that somebody did suggest and I hadn't heard of, so when I have cut things, yes. I then put them into plastic Ziploc bags And I just put the pattern and the fabric in there. I don't generally put all the trims or the interfacing or anything in there. I do that as I do the project, although some people do put everything in. But one person said she had three baskets. And then so she cuts three projects and she puts everything into each one of the baskets. Mm-hmm. Now, she told me three specifically, so I don't know whether that meant she only ever had the three, or but she didn't say then whether she refilled one of them if she'd finished it. But I just thought that sounded quite neat. If you've got only a small amount of space, that might be quite nice as well, just because yeah. aesthetically, it's nice for things to look aesthetic, if that makes you happy. 
the sort of Marie Kondo or whatever her name is, the, the sewing room. <laughs> I can't see it working in mine though. <laughs> no, I'd be a failure with that too. <laughs> yeah. So I think that sums up what everybody told me. Everybody had some fantastic comments to make and I hope that those people who've read the blog post will feel that I managed to sum up what they told me on they maybe they've got some new ideas to try out and uh, see if that helps their practice improves their flow of work or whatever drives them to to try something new yeah it's really great that you got all that feedback from the so over 50 community and you're able to write such an all-encompassing blog post for us to read and reflect on it was a tricky one to actually pull together because i'm aware it's quite dry as a subject which is why I interspersed it with photographs of my lists and things, just to kind of break it up a little bit. But I couldn't possibly have written it just as an individual because everybody brought new ideas that I wouldn't have... If I don't do those ideas or I haven't heard of them, it wouldn't occur to me to put them in. So the contributions from the So Over 50 community were absolutely invaluable to make it a blog that's going to be worth reading for everybody because there's all sorts in there hopefully everybody can find something they'll think oh actually that's worth a try this time maybe it'll work and it will change their practice forever or maybe they think now nah, don't don't like that i ended up with with that pile of unfinished things in the corner <laughs> we'll see we're here to serve <laughs> <laughs> it's a great community of practice oh it really is it really is yes because i still learn stuff all the time Susan, thank you so much for walking us through where you start off with the blog post and how all the feedback from the So Over 50 community has contributed to at least give us different ways of dealing with planning and sewing and getting our act into gear when it comes to sewing, whatever it is we've got in our stashes. <laughs> You're very welcome, Maria. It's always nice to come and chat with you and share to the wider world what it is that So Over 50 have brought to the table and how we can all share it. So thank you for being a part of it as well. Oh, my pleasure. And thank you, listeners, for joining us today. Bye. Bye-bye. So Organised Style Podcast was produced by me, Maria Theoharis. Sound by bensound.com. You can subscribe to So Organised Doll Podcast, spelt with an S, not a Z, on Apple, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, CastBox and Lipson, our podcast platform. I look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time. Stay safe everyone and have a great day.